0: The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First, where we provide you complete coverage of your Miami Marlins. Once again, vibes are high. According at a really fun time, another Marlin sweep that feels like there's been already as many of those this year as there were all of 2022. Just coming off a great Twitter space, an hour and 45 minutes, hosted by Grant Kiefer, the first one that we ran on our new Fish on First Twitter account. Uh, A whole lot of interaction there and a lot of topics to cover on that. Wherever you are watching or listening to this show, the official show, you can find State of the Fish. We'll continue doing that every single Sunday for the foreseeable future, available in all those same spaces. This is your home for uh, all of our audio offerings here on our YouTube playlist, as well as wherever you get your pod. Just search Fish on First, Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, everywhere else, and you'll find us covering your Marlins in all sorts of variety of angles, including me doing this show at least once a week, dropping on Monday mornings with you. I implore you again to please consider becoming a super subscriber. We were doing that back with Fish Stripes, and we are continuing to do it now. Very pleased with the turnout thus far. People that have migrated their subscriptions from the old place to the new place and those that are signing up for the first time to support what we're doing independently covering the Marlins. Among the many other perks, the subscriber-only giveaways that we do for game tickets, apparel. We have another game ticket giveaway coming up very soon from that limited pool of participants that are super subscribers to us. Daily game notes on the Marlins. More than 100 games still remaining and every single day. You get a rundown of what to expect prior to every game. Participate in prediction time where we do our live streams before every single series. You get to make predictions alongside with us in our leaderboard. The gift database access as that database grows more and more every single week. Among many other perks, starting at $3 a month. In order to do so, just go to the new site. It is fishonfirst.com. And near the top of the screen, you'll find the Become a Super Subscriber link. So just click right there. It has the details, and then it'll be one more click from there in order for you to sign up and support what we're doing and have a good fine time doing it. So consider doing so if you haven't already done so to uh, keep us going and allow us to keep growing in covering this uh, Marlins team. So. The topic tonight, the names on my mind Sandy Alcantara, Jesus Lazardo, Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, Auri Perez, and Trevor Rogers. Six names, conventionally, only five spots for them in a major league starting rotation. Um, but people love the idea of a six man rotation um, and what it could mean. Uh, for whatever reason, it's always been a very appealing concept. It's one that Marlins have rarely implemented, especially during a time of the year where they're still competitive. It's usually something that's more of an evaluation period. And in this case, it's a little bit of both for the Marlins. Um, If they were to take this step, as uh, Trevor Rogers nears his return to the majors, and as each of the five guys that are in the current Marlins rotation show varying degrees of upside, I like the idea of a temporary six-man Marlins rotation. That's what this episode is going to be on, catching you up on the Trevor Rogers situation and his rehab and exactly how this roster would fit together and why, you know, you go in this direction. This is uh, I think there's a little chance this could actually happen. They'll probably not be in the way that I present it. Uh, As usual, the fun of the show is me throwing ideas against the wall and seeing what sticks. So on the other side of the break, we'll get into all things six man rotation with your Miami Marlins moving forward. Stick with me. So let's pull up Trevor right here. Familiar face. Haven't seen him in majors for a month and a half at this point. He has been out with a, they originally called that a a biceps issue. Let me pull up the full recent uh, transactions log on Trevor to get us caught up on the same page. So Trevor is the one that uh, hasn't been in this rotation for since mid-April, and is steadily working his way back So the full timeline. Remember, he was an all-star in 2021. He was on top of the world. He was the leader for the NL Rookie of the Year, had a minor injury scare right after that. And then what, in my opinion, has been the turning point of his career was an unfortunate family situation. He took a leave from the team initially for a few days, and it turned into, I think, almost two weeks because of a COVID outbreak over in New Mexico, where most of his family from. So he lost his grandparents in that, and he, uh, he nearly lost his mother, but she was able to pull through. He was away from the team. He worked his way back. And from that point forward, from the September of 2021 to the present day, he's just been a different pitcher. Prior to that, during that first portion of his Rookie of the Year um, candidacy, He was in the mid-twos with an ERA, and he had a, more importantly, it looked sustainable. He had the peripherals to match. He was doing such a good job with his fastball up in the zone, getting whiffs and then getting, well, getting whiffs and getting called strikes on the corners, and also getting chases with his nasty changeup. It was really just on those two pitches and the uniqueness of his delivery, getting so much extension towards towards home plate, and also releasing the ball in such a way that was difficult to pick up. It just seems like such a safe profile moving forward with him based on that foundation, and he has not been able to recapture it really for more than a single start at a time ever since late 2021. Ever since then, it's been an issue with both run prevention and going deep into games, and that's a concept I'm going to touch on again soon with the rest of this Marlins rotation. That is, Those are the two things you look for when evaluating a starting pitcher is how deep into the game do you go? And then how, how do you prevent runs during the endings when you're actually on the mound? He really has not done well in either of those facets since returning from that emergency family leave. There've been a couple injuries in between. He's out with an injury right now. Remember last year, I think the opinion is that that may have been a phantom injury with his back after in the middle of the 2022 season, then, even at the end of 2022, he was showing some promise during that final stretch of last season, but then suffered a minor left lat strain. He's able to recover from that without any surgery. He came back this year toying around with, I'll, I'll show you just in a moment, that he has been experimenting even before this injury. He answered camp talking about his sinker. Now, he had so much success with his four seam fastball when he was having success in 2021. Um, not so much last year, even though the velocity was the same, even though um, the commands was, well, occasionally the same, it kind of went in and out. Either way, he, he saw the importance. Initially, was the slider that he was tweaking, entering last year, and the results on that weren't particularly encouraging. He entered this year, adding a fourth pitch to the mix in this sinker. Um, and his usage of it was a lot higher than I actually remembered his first few starts of this year. It was close to 20%, you see, eating at the four-seam usage that he previously had and taking also a little bit away from that slider that just didn't click the way that he thought it would. And so the idea was, with this four-seam fastball, it wasn't overpowering guys like it did initially in 2021. So instead of chasing whiffs with his velocity, also having this pitch in a sinker where you can get steel called strikes, where you can get that movement... Um, as a lefty sneaking back, allowing him to pitch inside to lefties, and also uh, in a way to uh, perhaps get backdoor strikes against right-handed batters. For a guy that was relying a lot on whiffs when he was successful to, on that four-seamer, and to chase the changeup out of the zone. It's not really a changeup that he lands for a strike; it's more of one that dives very um. Suddenly, towards the end, and he relies on people chasing outside the zone. So, I kind of like this idea of adding a sinker to the mix that gets you those called strikes and kind of completes the equation of how to get batters out. Um, it, w- it wasn't particularly exciting early on in the year. So, in this whole sample connecting the end of 2021 with the start of 2023, he's had an era near five. That's why pitching half your games in extremely hitter pitcher-friendly Lone Depot Park, he had an ERA right near five. The peripherals were more encouraging. It was almost a full run lower, his FIP, in the three nines during that span. But I've seen just about every single one of those starts. And I think it was clear that this is a pitcher that was still searching for exactly what he's trying to do, who was consistently not executing in – situations with runners on base. And I don't I don't know if that was more... I don't think you could just chop that down to bad luck. It was somebody that just didn't know exactly what he wanted to do in those most important spots. Um, and even though the quality of his stuff seemed really similar to what it had previously been, um, that you didn't have a clear, coherent adjustment to make um, now that he's been around the league for a little while. So this is a player that... Um, like he's not entitled, I don't think, to a rotation spot right now just because he's coming off an IL. He has minor league options as well, um, and that's why, yeah, this is such a fascinating situation um, because he has a lot more experience than Iguri Perez and the performance of Edward Cabrera has left some to be desired to this point in in the season. So we'll get to that in a moment you have these two guys that are somewhat vulnerable for various reasons, but you have the guy that's returning to uh, seemingly take a spot. He also has his very apparent flaws. He's had this really extended stretch of just not going deep into games, very seldom getting even through the sixth inning and then just giving up a a whole lot of runs. The strikeouts have been down and it's good to see he's experimenting with this. Um, And, now, what makes things really interesting with Trevor is that he is pitching well on this rehab assignment. He bullied some kids in low A during his first rehab start. They moved him up to AAA on the road in AAA Durham against Rays Prospects, um, a very good offensive team, and he went five scoreless innings. So let's watch and listen to some highlights of Trevor's rehab start on Sunday against AAA Durham.
1: Two-strike count. And the pitch on Wasabe, he chases up high, and Rogers disposes of him very easily on three. Six foot five inch, lean left-hander, high leg kick, and Cardenas pops one up near the right field line. Running down the line is Encarnacion. Edwards calls him off in fair territory. Two two to Holsizer is hit in the ground, is short, right at Amaya. Comes up on a tough hop, and eases the throw across, and the inning is over. And that's what happened. Hence, Jacksonville didn't get the call. One-two pitch, a fastball beats Deeney. So that money is being redistributed in increased salaries, apartments, and that. Strike on the outside corner, punches out Meisner, and the Bulls are going to challenge this as Jacksonville begins to depart the field. It was called strike three by John Bacon. This is the first challenge of the day, and the animation coming in, and it is strike three.
0: I wanted to include a automatic ball strike challenge in there for people that are unfamiliar with that. That's a, that's in play during AAA weekend games this season. So he was able to uphold a call of his on that during his rehab start on Sunday. And that was against Cam Meisner, the former Marlins prospect draft pick. It it was impressive and the pitch mix he used in this outing really drew my attention. He was relying very heavily on his four seamer in this one. I think over 70% of his whole pitches, um, and a handful of changeups. It was almost exclusively between the four seamer and the changeup, just a, a little sprinkling of the slider and the two seamer. So I'm not sure what that's going to mean moving forward. Trevor, five scoreless innings, one hit, one walk, five strikeouts. I can say great AAA lineup, which is not the same as a great major league lineup, but still, and relatively efficient with his 70 pitches. That is going to be one of the keys with Trevor moving forward is even if the run prevention never comes close to being what it was as a rookie in the mid twos from an ERA perspective, he needs to be more efficient. He can't be like constantly getting fouled off, worked into deep counts and then constantly getting stuck in the fourth and fifth ending the way that he was in 2022 needs to be efficient with this stuff for better or for worse because that is almost as big as an equation. How long you're out there is almost as important as uh, being out there in the first place. Now just to circle back to the rest of the guys that are in this current Marlins group, I named them to begin with. This has been a relatively disappointing unit just because of how high the expectations were. We were counting on this Marlins rotation to be the number one strength of the entire team. And to this point, I guess you'd have to say that Lozardo has been the best performer of the group, but even him recently has been trending in a kind of concerning direction with him. There hasn't been like any unadulterated uh, shining star of this group other than Yuri in a small sample. And with him having a very tight leash to begin with, where you know with him, he's not going to work deep into games. During the innings, he's been on the mounds, he's been getting outs, but then the underlying stats are concerning in that regard. By fielder independent pitching, all these guys are in the same neighborhood. I mean, Lazardo's at 369, and Perez actually has the highest FIP of the entire group at 429, and everybody else is in between them. They're all slightly better than league average under the hood moving forward. And I, I think you can expect at least a most of them to continue that moving forward with Edward Cabrera. He is so tough to get a handle on because you just never know when he's going to have control whatsoever. He had amazing control against the Oakland A's This past outing, that's probably the weakest opponent he's going to face all year. And so with these other ones, Braxton Garrett has been great this year with the exception of one outing where he was turned in the worst starting pitching performance of any Marlins pitcher all year against the Braves. So that was like the one game where he totally took the team out of any chance to win. even. But besides that, I think he's done a lot to amend it. It's a, it's a group that shows some promise moving forward. And ultimately, we can quibble about these fifth and sixth starter spots all we want. I don't think things this doesn't really matter unless Sandy turns things around. And Sandy looks at least like his career norms, if not his 2022 form. Yet another really bizarre outing on Sunday where he allows a five spot in the one inning against the Oakland A's and the other six innings he pitched before and after he was nearly perfect. So he is so hard to figure out, and I continue to be relatively optimistic about him moving forward, but now 12 starts into his season with him being an average-ish pitcher, below average from run prevention standpoint, above average from the innings that he's eating. With this group, the concern, the one thing that I don't think Trevor solves immediately, even if you're all in is the lack of volume that they're eating. Sandy is still giving you six and a third innings per start. That's very good. But other than that, you're just not getting length. Some of it because these guys don't perform, but others just because how the organization is managing them. Braxton Garrett, several times already, has been yanked really abruptly, even when he's efficient with his pitches even when he's cruising, just because this team is really skeptical about him having success facing hitters a third time. And with Yuri, that's even a more extreme example. They just don't seem to have any willingness of letting him go beyond 90 pitches. They just drew this line in order to stretch out his innings over the course of the season as much as possible. A 20-year-old body that isn't usually ever given a chance to pitch to the big leagues so soon. The fact that he is... They want to keep him around as long as possible. With this team, it's going to be really tricky regardless if none of these guys go deep into games like Sandy does. Um, The management adaptation will be needed, I think kind of regardless. And especially if they try out this six man idea where if you're going to carry six starters, you're almost certainly going to carry seven relievers. You lose one reliever in that group and, uh, that means there are certain days where you're just going to have to use fewer relief arms than you have been at this point in the season. And I think they can do this. I think they should do this starting immediately. Now, this is the part that has almost zero chance of going through. This is just my fantasy right here about the hypothetical six-man rotation starting immediately. It seems the plan is for Trevor to have one more rehab start before rejoining the group. In my eyes, he doesn't need that rehab start, and I think this is actually the perfect portion of the season to roll out this six-man idea. The six-man is never a permanent solution, and it's never really an ideal solution. I think for this Marlins team, you want to do it right now for a variety of reasons. It's a relatively soft portion of their schedule, as we've talked about before, starting at this moment, with the Royals on the home stands, and then concluding uh, a couple of weeks from now with this road trip that includes the White Sox, the Mariners, and the Nationals, the Mariners being the clear best team of this group, but one that has been really underwhelming offensively. There have been some really surprisingly excellent performances against them, even from non standout pitchers. So I would go into the six man rotation immediately. And so I'm going to explain why. One is that Rogers stretched out to 70 pitches, so you'd think in his next outing they'd let him go about 85 in his first start back maximum if if things go, as long as things go relatively smoothly with him up to 85 and up to about six innings. And I think he could do that against the White Sox. This is a soft landing spot for Trevor because the White Sox have the lowest walk rate in the majors lower than anybody, and they're right down there, I think second to the bottom, in pitches per plate appearance. For somebody in Trevor that has been struggling a lot with that efficiency in the big leagues the last year and a half, almost two years, I think that's a pretty ideal matchup to bring him into, and then if you played out six more games later, his next start would be against the Washington Nationals team that showed some life offensively a few weeks ago, but now they're kind of reverting back to a little bit closer to what we thought Um, they would be. With this Marlins team, one thing I spoke about, I think it was two weeks ago on the pod, was the idea of having Nick Fortes take over as a clear top catcher here, including catching Sandy. That was one that I knew was somewhat of a pipe dream, and to this point, the pattern has been very clear with how the Marlins are managing their catching situation. They have Stallings catching Sandy and Edward exclusively, and they have Fortes catching everybody else. So the way that shakes out right now is Fortes catching 60% of the games. That's nice. I'd like it to be a little bit higher, and I think this is a pathway to make it higher. For whatever reasons they have, to continue pairing Stallings with Edward and Sandy, all right. But now if you have six starters, that means you have four opportunities every turn of the rotation to have somebody else catching. Yeah, so that's where Fortes comes in. And this idea, for, I'll honor, I'll respect whatever reasons the Marlins have behind it, to have Stallings continue to start whenever Edward is in there, whenever Sandy is there. And then you get with Fortes catching Garrett, Lizardo, Perez, and Rogers. So you do the math, four out of every six, or two-thirds of the Marlins games, you get Fortes in the lineup as catcher. And the particular way that I assemble it, you can see it on YouTube and you can see it on fishonfirst.com if you want to click over to the site's version of it, is that I separate Yuri, and you know, I separate Edward and Sandy by an extra day. As things are set up right now, there's only one spot in between them. So I would insert Trevor on June 10th, right before Sandy's next outing. And in doing that, yeah, you create a couple days in between where I think you could go pretty strictly with these battery pairings where you can continue to pair Edward and Sandy with Stallings and you can have Fortes with everybody else. And the way it plays out is it's two on, one off. You have two days of Fortes catching and then one with Stallings catching and then two of Fortes, one with Stallings. And I I think that's very reasonable from a rest and recovery standpoint. Uh, One thing we didn't get into is how inexperienced these pitchers are. I mean, Sandy is the Iron Man and everybody else is the on the other end of the spectrum where they have never been pushed for a full major league season as starting pitchers. None of them have gone past about 130 innings in any season to this point. As things currently line up, um, almost all of them, well, all of them are on track with the exception of Trevor. All the others are on track to shatter previous season highs for innings pitched in a year. Um, with Lizardo, he's on pace, to pitch about 180 innings or so, if I have that right. 175 with Edward, he's on pace to pitch about a 150 with Braxton, he's on pace to pitch 140 something. Um, So that is, you want them to get close to full season workloads in order to prepare them for future years. Uh, at the same time, um, this team, just as this organization now feels kind of comfortable with their rotation depth that's available. You don't want to push them far enough to re-injury. So the six man rotation for this short term, that just, you know, as it plays out, it probably takes away one extra start that they would ordinarily have by the end of the season. And it gives them that extra time uh, in between where you can just manage their endings over the course of the year. Um, Well, I should have mentioned with Perez, so he's thrown 24 innings in the big leagues. How many did he throw? He threw a little bit more than that in double A in this his career high last year. He threw 83 total innings, if you include a playoff start that he made on top of what he did during the course of the regular season. He is, yeah, he is just so far ahead of anything that he's accustomed to doing. But yet he's he's so good. And for the moment, health does not appear to be an issue whatsoever. You know, his fastball is sitting 98 miles an hour, his last couple starts. Um, and his commands has been great as well. So any like sign of fatigue is just not existent right now. I think on everybody's behalf, it makes sense to get them that extra day of rest that they're accustomed to instead of a five-man. I mean, this is, The math is pretty easy here. When it's a six-man rotation, it's one additional day that all these guys get in between their starts than what they're accustomed to doing. And considering, you know, the, the lack of, track record that these guys have going the full year. um, Like, I think this just makes sense to keep everybody in a manageable range as this year goes on. And with Sandy, if he was pitching like his 2022 form, you'd want him on the mound as often as recently possible, but he's not doing that. There has not been like this entire year. There just is not that complete start from him. Unless I guess you can count the shutout that he threw, even that one kind of uh, I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by kind of everything that we've seen from him this year. Where he's just he's not so definitively your best pitcher from a run prevention standpoint. Even if he is, of course, still the leader of the rotation and the one that is eating those valuable innings. I think it's fine to give him that extra day. I don't think that makes like a huge i don't think that's a huge detriment to the team's competitive chances to go with this and to every to have that additional arm in the rotation that might not be as good as he is on a uh, talent level alone but for the time being i don't think the drop off is um all that significant here so yeah we covered the impact on the you know rest and recovery on the catching situation and with Trevor in particular um I just think this is a good evaluation period for these guys because you're going to have to make a choice relatively soon. Um, it's not sustainable to carry seven relievers uh, forever. In the near-term future, I just don't think there's going to be much of a case to only be limited to seven relievers anyway because this bullpen has been really good. Uh, Floro is good. Huascar Brazavan is good. JT Chagua is good. Stephen Okert has been really good this year. Andrew Nardi. Andrew Nardi has been awesome this year. Was that? Six. Tanner Scott. Tanner Scott's having a really good year as things have progressed. And then you have AJ puck coming back from the injured list. Probably by the time you're listening to this puck might be officially reinstated from the IL. Matt Barnes just went on the IL. He's kind of the last one here. And uh, I spoke at the top of the season, how Barnes was towards, you know, the, I saw him as a just a run-of-the-mill middle reliever at this point. He's not somebody that you're uh, bending over backwards to have on your roster, but I think he's serviceable. I think he's solid. I think between Floro and Scott and Brazoban and Okert and Chagua and Nardi and Puck and Barnes, you have eight useful complementary relievers. So if they're all healthy at the same time, again, and you know, fingers crossed that happens, that's not a certainty, but you have seven of them healthy at this moment when Puck gets activated. So Barnes, he's eligible to come back in now like 11, 12 days. Um, And this is an injury, a hip impingement for Barnes that typically doesn't last a whole lot longer than the minimum IL stint. I think once Barnes is ready to return, then the Marlins might be already downsizing their rotation anyway because you want those eight relievers and uh, they all have a role and um, half of them don't even have minor league options in the first place. So that's another factor here is, you know, who could be in the and who can't. And that's the reason why with this rotation, you know, there's really not a whole lot of pressure to have a five, a six man at this moment, just because everybody has options. Everybody, every starter in this Marlins rotation has minor league options that they could use if they wanted to. And um, I, that's what I predict is going to happen. I, I don't think they're going to go to a six-man rotation imminently, and I, I think it's still unlikely that they do it at all. They simply send somebody down, whether it is Edward, or whether it's Perez, or whether it's keeping Rogers down there until one of those guys uh, slip up. But then going back to my hypothetical plan in the meantime, I think I'd love this. I think this would be a really fascinating experiment over the course of a couple of weeks to do two full turns through this six-man rotation um and if Eddie has a couple outings where he can't find the strike zone then i think you look at to send him down if Trevor is um you know 2022 trevor over the course of a couple starts there's no reason why he has to be on a super long leash At this point, you know, he is, there was a much bigger sample of him being mediocre than there is of him being an all-star caliber pitcher. So the Marlins need to accept that reality and not give him a spot. He's not really entitled to. And then there's Perez. I showed you there is that two run discrepancy between his ERA and his FIP. Um, I know it's been really impressive relative to his age. And I have to say his last two outings have been his two best. So he is trending in the right direction. Uh, things could change really quickly. These narratives could change <laughs> very suddenly with him. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, if he does get hit around his next couple outings, and if the Marlins still have this really stringent limitation on how deep he can pitch in the games, it, it's it still is. It's all right. Things are going to be okay with him long-term, even if he has to, even if he should, go to AAA for a little while while these both five other more experienced starters kind of fill fill the void in the major leagues for an indefinite period of time. Um, this is, but this is a comfortable situation that they're in because of the ease of the upcoming schedule and because of how well Marlins have performed recently. Um, in fact, when Jazz Chisholm Jr. got hurt, um, I did not foresee them going 14-7 and seven in games that he has not played this season. That's been... Really remarkable. And that combined with the fact that across the National League, there just aren't a whole lot of great teams at the moment. People should be really uh, hopeful. There is a path for this team to make the playoffs. I also do think they should balance, you know, the present and the future and finding out which of these non-Sandy starters is definitely going to be part of their future rotation if you go to a six-man for the time being, at this particular time, when you only have seven healthy relievers that you really love, just going back to the roster outlook, again, this is showing 16 pitchers for 13 spots. We know that when Puck comes back, they're going to send down George Soriano. And then when um, that when, now when Trevor comes up, who would they send down? They they could send down one of those starters, or they could send down Brian Hoeing. That's what I would do. I would Brian Hoeing has been nice, but uh, he's not an essential part of this major league pitching staff at the moment. I would bring up Rodgers, send down Hoeing, and then when Matt Barnes comes back, assuming he comes back relatively soon, then you have a good problem on your hands, assuming that everybody performs in the meantime. It's gonna rely a six man rotation, it relies on a lot of your relievers to be able to go multiple innings. And the Marlins have done a good job preparing guys for that. Everybody from Floro to Puck, Tanner, Scott, Brazabon especially. um, Almost all these guys have had appearances this year of more than one inning. And several of them have had appearances of two full innings or more. So they're accustomed to doing that. And this stuff, this would be a very tentative plan that can change in a hurry. Either when Barnes comes back or even sooner, if you have back-to-back outings where... Guys go really short into their outings and uh, you need a fresh arm. Then you send down one of these starters and you bring in a fresh arm. It's really not that dramatic. Um, Anything you plan, the best laid plans can be dashed uh, relatively quickly. But I think it's a worthy experiment in the meantime. Six-man rotation. That's what I would do. I'd do a couple turns of that and, um, and, and just see what you got. Because once it comes trade deadline time, Um, fingers crossed Johnny Cueto is still out there doing stuff and he's back and ready to pitch middle of the summer. Um, Like they could have, they could be back in that situation where they actually have some surplus of starting pitching. They're not there yet. That's not what people should be thinking about, but this is a really potentially could be a very valuable evaluation period of these starting pitchers that it's going to be, crucial for this team to accomplish what it wants to accomplished needs better starting pitching production um so'm fascinated to see whether that's going to happen because i've been you know I've been wrong I was a little optimistic it's very optimistic about to say this rotation coming into the year and they have won games at an impressive clip even without getting the production they were expecting from that group and this is a really critical time now to find out what they have. During a very manageable stretch, you would expect this to be, regardless of who is in this rotation, presuming it's five guys, maybe it's six guys, but presuming it's just five guys, um, this could be a stretch where they perform as well as we've seen to this point in the season. And so as long as the offense remains at a passable level, then, yeah, this team could keep going, and they can continue to build this cushion that they have in uh, the wildcard race. Very exciting times. So I've been Eli Sussman here on Fish on First. What do you think of the six-man rotation concept that I have in mind? Uh, just let us know. You can find me on Twitter at real eli E-L-Y, or on the Fish on First account. Please follow that account. If you're following Fish Stripes, please follow that one. It is all the same stuff with retweets and commentary from all of my same staff as before in that new home. That is the new account. And again, my plea for you to support as a super subscriber, just starting at $3 a month, details at fishonfirst.com about that. We appreciate all the support we've been getting. And yeah, just stay tuned for more. <laughs> Things are, we're just getting in our groove here in on the new home. And uh, yeah, continuing to make it better with feedback and support from everybody just like you. I've been Eli Sussman. Go Fish!